At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast episode 250 something it doesn't matter you know numbers don't matter right james <laughs> no no definitely not especially in the off season because i don't want to do math no god this is not a, ma- a math <laughs> podcast it is not we'll end no. up doing math accidentally i uh, will probably do it wrong but like still that's the thing not yeah. not a math podcast how are you doing buddy no i'm doing well i'm a bit tired today i don't know it was the weirdest thing i woke up this morning and my alarm was going off. My wife like shakes me and she's like, are you going to get up? And I said to her, I turned around, I said to her, I go, what do you mean? I just went to sleep. Oh, and she's no. like, it's six o'clock in the morning. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't even remember falling asleep to the point where I, when I woke up, I was just genuinely confused as to where I was. So it's one of those kinds of days. I'm a, I'm a bit tired, but I'm ready to go still. Like you woke up from a nap, right? Like you take one of those quick dad naps on the couch. You <laughs> yeah. wake up, you're like, where am I? What year is it? But it wasn't a nap. It was your actual sleep. <laughs> Sleep. Oh yep. God. Yeah, it was awful. It was an awful experience. I woke up grumpy as hell, like no way I have to start my day right now. <laughs> <laughs> not a good way to start things. But um, How are you though? I'm okay. Uh, definitely not the Grog City USA you were in. And I can say that and it's true. Usually I say that here in Canada. People go like, the hell are you talking about? But you're actually in the US of A, so it worked. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I had like a weird, it was kind of a weird thing. Not feeling groggy, but grumpy. And I was just kind of sitting here in my basement, like feeling like a troll going like, stupid basement and i'm going up and working on the couch with all these windows immediately change of attitude oh it felt great awesome yeah sunlight will do that for you yeah i got a window right here and i just don't open it because i'm a big lazy bum so (laughs) Um, let's talk about the topic du jour with the islanders and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that specific topic because we recorded a whole like hour-long podcast on the Barry Trotz firing, and then the Lane Lambert hiring. So two separate podcasts on our Patreon account. So that's patreon.com slash eyes on aisles, where not only you and I talk about the topic, but our patrons, we answer and all of their questions, comments, and concerns around either one of them. So if you want to be one of those people, one of the 121, go to patreon.com slash eyes on aisles, sign up the five buck a month one and get up on in there. But let's talk about Lane Lambert being hired. Initial kind of like 10 cents on that. Yeah, um, it, it was surprising to me because I thought it would have been an all-in-one kind of thing, like Trotz removed, Lambert hired. Um, but, you know, zooming out a little bit, I thought it was um, appropriate to, you know, maybe highlight a week later Lambert's first NHL job uh, as a head coach. So I, I thought that was cool. Um, I think that this will be, I don't want to say lateral. I, I, I want to say that if they needed a quote unquote new voice, um, you know, we'll know soon enough if it if it is be, being that he was um, uh, Barry Trotz's running mate for such a long time, it was something like over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know he could bring his own new thoughts and ideas to the table and you know you have to you have to you wonder if he has that in the back of his mind this team needs more offense he can keep the defense intact but he has to know they didn't score as much as they should have this season yeah that that has to be priority number 1 for whatever offseason plan uh the, the initial like yeah it's Lane Lambert you're going i thought it was going to be a more established direct new voice right like literally a new voice but there, there is something to be said about, you know, when the assistant steps up or the associate steps up in this case, a new, he's literally putting on a new voice because he's no longer, you know, operating a Barry Trotz yeah. um, or living in a Barry Trotz world. He's now living in a Lane Lambert world. And, um, you know, let's see what the kind of voice he has. If it's the right one, we remain remains to be seen. In, and that's basically where we're going with this is priority number one for Lane Lambert is finding a way to squeeze out more offense from this group assuming he's not just going to be like calling up blue give me more offense right he's going to have to yeah. find a way at minimum to get more offense out of the group he's got right yeah exactly and and that's the thing he knows these players already which i guess gives him a leg up and, and he could maybe work with them a little closer than somebody who's new and, and has to get acclimated still mm-hmm. so there's a possibility he he already knows uh what he's or, or going into training camp, he'll already know, uh, you know, what he, he wants his lines to be, what he wants his power play units to be, and, and who gels with who best in order to generate uh, the maximum amount of offense they can, whilst also maintaining a good defensive structure. So um, I, I think that if it wasn't going to be one of the um, many veteran coaches around mm-hmm. the NHL, an extension of trots with, with uh, maybe a, a dash of, of offense in Lane Lambert um, was the next best thing. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, But what we want to focus on here is there's obviously a gap now within the coaching staff, right? So Lane Lambert or Barry Trotz moves out, Barry, Lane Lambert moves up, and now you've got a gap. So you have assistant coaches, right? you got John Gruden still, Jim Hiller's there. Uh, and then Pierre Greco is a goaltending coach. They're all still signed. They're all staying for at least the year. Um, but you would imagine either one of those guys is going to step up to be the, you know, the number one assistant. So basically take over what Lane Lambert was doing. Uh, and, and now, and if, if so, one of those guys steps up, there's still a gap. So like, where are they going to find that extra voice type of thing? Yeah. I'm not sure, um, how many more promotions from within will happen. I, I do speculate that maybe there will be a, one new face behind the bench, mm-hmm. uh, this season. And the thing that we we constantly talk about, you know, Greco's going to remain, who takes care of the goaltending, and <laughs> what else do you need, really? Um, then you have Lane Lambert, who remains, obviously, now as the head coach, but he knows how to keep the defensive structure. So what's the one thing that this team really needs that we constantly, constantly, constantly talk about is offense. So I, I have to believe that they're going to bring somebody in who's offensive-minded, can figure out a way to, like I said, keep the, the, the trot structure, which would basically also be the Lambert structure in place um, while also generating more goals for this team on the ice. Yeah, so it, it's finding that right voice. We keep using the word voice here um, to, to kind of get more out of that offense. And I, I don't imagine it's, it's going to be Lane. I, maybe he takes over, he holds the um, the forwards and gives off the defense to someone else, right? Like, here's the structure I want you to run. And, yeah. and these are the, the guys that you have at your disposal. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if they bring someone in. I would imagine they do. Uh, and then who it's going to be. Is it going to be a new voice stepping up? Or is it going to be an old voice from somewhere else? Um, 
if it's going to be defense, God, please don't let it be Brent Thompson. I, I think his time within this organization is, is done. Um, it can't be. Right? Like, he's just been around this organization for too long. And this isn't me saying he's bad, although I'm sure someone listening right now is going to be like, he has been terrible! And, like, development record and so on and so forth. I'm not a Brent Thompson apologist, but I understand he's a very average coach at doing both. He's very average, like X's and O's, and he's very average development. And, and that's served its purpose. It just, it's been, been long enough, right? He's been in this organization 12, 13 years now yeah. at various positions. I don't think that's the guy to bring in, even if it's someone to hold the, you know, the defense that he's molded, right? He molded these guys himself. Uh, I, th- I think they got to go and look somewhere else. Do you, what do you think? Yeah, and that's exactly it, right? You said it best where, you know, he did mold and and a lot of the Islander defensemen who are currently with the NHL squad came from Bridgeport uh, through Brent Thompson, Ryan Pollock, Adam Pellick, Scott Mayfield. So, you know, it's obvious that Thompson has a knack to develop defensive prospects. However, look at all of the forward prospects that did not mm-hmm. work out under Brent Thompson. Now, you could you could look at the current team and say, well, look at Simone, Simone Holmstrom. He's developing quite nicely. That is true, but that's one of like ah, five off the top of my head that I could think of. Ryan Strom, Nino Niederreiter, uh, Josh Hosang. Who else was down there? I, okay, I should have said three, but told you, not a math podcast. But, um, it, you know, those those are three crucial f- t- first-round picks that were supposed to work out. Michael Del Cole, um, there's four. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, these are f- crucial first-round picks that missed. And, you know, Nino Niederreiter went to a different team, and automatically you saw, okay, he was a presence in the NHL. Uh, Ryan Strong goes to two other teams, but finally, you know, he finds a spot to uh, really hone his craft and – all of a sudden, he's a player, a top six option or a middle six option in the NHL. So it's not that the Islanders swung and missed on these prospects. It's more that they just don't develop the right way in the pipeline, and it starts with Bridgeport. So if the Islanders are looking for offense, it's not going to come through Brent Thompson. No, God, it's certainly not. It really is not. So they need to look elsewhere. And I haven't heard Brent Thompson associated with it. It's just a name that is already there. And so... right. It just kind of seems like that, that that could be a thing they do. But I, I do think that his time with, with the Islanders is done at, at any, in any capacity. But So they, they've got to look elsewhere. And there's obviously a number of names there. It's going to be interesting to see who they pick up. Is it going to be someone... I imagine someone Lou Lamorello already knows, right? Like he already knows this person in some capacity because that is what Lou Lamorello does. And is going to like hire them. It might be from nowhere, but... It's not going to be a nobody, I would imagine. Yeah, it, it's hard to name a name mm-hmm. because traditionally his teams have been defensive-minded, right? The Devils, back in the 90s, they were defensive-minded. Uh, the Leafs, when he was there, were defensive-minded. They they had you know a number of those high-skilled guys, um, but however, they played more of a defensive structure, especially under Mike Babcock. So um, it's hard to name somebody specific. Uh, but, you know, someone who I thought would have taken over head coaching duties behind the bench was a guy named Paul Maurice. And if he's willing to uh, take an assistant position rather than a head coaching position, um, especially if, you know, for some reason or another, all of the head coaching vacancies fill up and he's not one of them, he might want to, you know, maybe at least slide in somewhere and, and just at least get back into the game. Yeah, that's absolutely correct, right? They, they've got 
uh, an opening. Uh, if he can't find one, then no better way than get your name out there than doing the thing, even if it's not an actual head coach position. You know, you can name an associate right. coach. Lane Lambert knows what it's like to be, you know, work as an associate. Um, when it comes to the D structure, they, they've already got their um, their D whisperer essentially, right? They got the Jacques Lemars as a special assignment coach, someone yeah. Lou brought over day one type of thing. So, um, I, I'm perfectly fine with, with bringing in Paul Maurice. I don't think it's going to be it, especially as an associate, because it, it gives off the wrong vibes. But if he's got nowhere else to go, why the hell not? They did that with George McPhee. Obviously, different kind of um, management group, if you will, right? Like Gar Snow brought George McPhee in when he was let go from Washington. Um, yeah. But it's it same core ownership, if you will. They were still around when, when that happened. So, like, they had to okay the hiring. So, why the hell not, right? So Yeah, exactly. I'm still intrigued to go when it comes to the coaching staff. It's not all set in stone just yet. So, we're, we're going to see some movement there. But I don't imagine we're going to see it as quick as when it was with Lane Lambert, right? Like, a week turnover from when Barry left to when he was hired. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't think so either. There's no rush. And if there's one thing that Lou Lamarello says time and time again, it's if he's got time, take it. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, is there anything else you wanted to go over when it came to the uh, the coaching staff or, or the the changes, if you will, to the IL structure here? No, uh, nothing uh, as far as Islander related. You, you you probably heard already, but Barry Trotz is, uh, uh, ha- or maybe has already done so today. Uh, conducted an interview with the Winnipeg Jets. Mm. Uh, I did see a report out there that said that the um, Philadelphia Flyers were getting ready to uh, have an interview process with. Barry Trotz as well, so um, we'll see what happens with him. Uh, the, there, there's also been a number of murmurs that the Predators would be willing to um, take him back, but in a management position, mm. not a coaching capacity. So if he wants to step up into management, because that's the belief that that might be something yeah. he is uh, into doing, uh, the Predators are, are believed to possibly want to do that. Um, that's via 32 Thoughts I was listening to earlier today and, and Elliot Friedman. Um, and, you know, then there's also the major decision that he has to make himself if he wants to coach even at all this year. So, let, so. let's chew on that nugget a little bit there. Because um, the Vegas, not the Vegas thing, the Nashville thing uh, kind of surprises me. Not not that he wants to go into management because we, we've heard that before, but yeah. Um, but that Nashville is kind of like, yeah, maybe now's the time. David Poyle's been at it since they, they opened, right? Like since they opened as an NHL franchise. So I would imagine he's got to have at some point some sort of succession planning, no? Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing, right? He Maybe he uh, Trotz could be, be uh, the AGM, you know, kind of shadow Poyle and, and see how, you know, things run. Um, and then ultimately when Poyle's ready to retire – Barry Trotz takes the the chair as general manager, seceding Poyle. So that was just the idea. Um, mm-hmm. That was something I had heard earlier today, just via Thirty Two Thoughts podcast uh, with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Marrick. Um, and I think that if if there was anywhere that Barry Trotz had to go, Islander fans would probably choose that as their option. Get don't don't have him behind the bench coaching against us. Put him in management and, and keep him out of our hair as a, uh, somebody who we will have to face uh, now rather than play for. Right, because if he takes that Philly job, or, or you, because you, you mentioned that too, like the possibility of staying in the Metro, right? Like you said right. that a little yep. while ago. Maybe not on, on this show, uh, but definitely when it came to the Patrons, we, we do so many yes. shows, anyways. Um, 
So having him in Philly, because like the Jersey job is there's a potential there, but they've got a coach right now as it stands today. Philly yeah. does not. So there's an obvious opening there. And they've had defensive issues for a while. So who better oh, than, yeah. than defense god Barry Trot stepping in through the door to turn around Ivan Provorov into a top six, top end, elite level defenseman, right? Yeah, definitely not something. The, the Metro doesn't need to get any better. <laughs> it's already a juggernaut. And, and Barry Trot's making the Flyers a, a better team uh, is just not something that the Islanders can afford at this point. No, so. I don't want to have to see him four times a year type of thing. That would not be ideal. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so Barry Trotz, we'll see what happens there. I'm still thinking it's going to he's going to Vegas. Just that matches his aspirations in my in my opinion. Yeah, it makes total sense, especially when you can in- inherit <laughs> so many superstars on that team. A talent rich, <laughs> like elite level rich. Oh my god. Um, the last thing that we're gonna do on the show here uh, is talk about the the prospect pool because I usually do a down on the farm update with Matt. So we're gonna try to kick that back in here and. Uh, there, there's a few things going on when it came to the prospects. Most notably, the Bridgeport Islanders season is now done. They lost the Charlotte Checkers in the AHL playoffs, and so they are done. Kaput, it's over uh, for the year. Uh, what are your impressions on the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, and specifically relating back to Brent Thompson, because that I think is the big topic. Sorry, I called them the Sound Tigers. That was a force of habit. The Bridgeport <laughs> Islanders. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, something you got to get used to, right? It's uh, That's still very new for everybody. But one of the players I was most impressed with this season, I don't know how much of a prospect you can call him anymore because, I, yes, he does play for the AHL Islanders. However, Chris Terry had a 30-goal, uh, 61-point season, point per game. Mm-hmm. Is there a future in the NHL for this guy? No. Like, at all? I, I, You watch way closer than I do. Um, is he a call-up at some point, or is he just career? Because you look at 30 goals point per game in the AHL, that's impressive. Yeah, when they brought him over, it was... Because he came over from the KHL, although, like, you look at his AHL career numbers, and he's an excellent AHL player. Absolutely beauty at the AHL level. He was brought in to do exactly this, to lead the team offensively uh, and put in goal after goal after goal. Uh, He's excellent for that. There's no NHL. That's not happening for him. He's an excellent (laughs) AHLer, not a great NHLer, um, which is perfectly fine, right? Like I I think he understands that too, which is part of why he came back from the KHL Uh, and where he was perfectly fine as well. He wasn't outstanding, but he was pretty good. Uh, So no, definitely not when it comes to Chris Terry, but you try to keep him next year because he's a really good offensive player at that level. And if we're bringing in, uh, top end talent, he he can teach him how to score. I I don't know if he's the great greatest two way player. His defense this year wasn't great, but when it comes to putting pucks in the net, he's pretty damn good at it. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he skated on the same line as Simone Holmstrom. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now it, that begs the question for me: Did Simone Holmstrom elevate Chris Terry to score 30 goals this year? Or vice versa, where Chris Terry elevated uh, and bloated Simone Holmstrom's production to where it was 43 points, 31 assists, um, which seems like a, a good development for the, what, now 20-year-old? He'll be 21, I believe, this month, later on this month. Okay. Yeah, so he's, you know, ripe at the young age of 21 and looks like he can be a bit of a playmaker Um so which which was it? You tell me. Did Holmstrom elevate Terry or vice versa? Holmstrom was a product of Holmstrom this year. 
Um, now, okay. that, that's not to say that he propped up um, Terry. They didn't play always together. Near the end, they started playing more regularly. Uh, and even then, it wasn't 100% of the time. But but Simon Holmstrom is, it has good numbers because Simon Holmstrom was a good player this year. And he kind of had to, right? After two years of just not really doing a whole lot, um, yeah. he needed to step take a step up in his development and, and he definitely did that he was stronger faster and just more impressive the game just started slowing down for him from like december onwards and th- that's when things started to really click for him and you you can definitely tell there's an nhl future there it's just how high is that ceiling for simon holmstrom yeah and again that's that's the that's the question right how high is that ceiling i, I to me it, it it seems like he's a a middle six option mm-hmm. more likely a third liner Probably, yeah. Uh, and it, he could his be timeline a good is Josh within Bailey the next year or two. Okay. Yeah, and within the next year or two, you would say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I, again, you know, 22nd overall back in 2019, 2020? 2019. Um, 2019. A bit of a project, but at, at, at some point, he, he was going to make the NHL, or he will make the NHL. And, um, you know, you could have a steady playmaker on the third line, like you said, a Josh Bailey type. Um, and, and you'll take that at, at 22nd overall. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was Jacob Skarik, who he ended the year with a 3.3 goals against average. Uh, his save percentage was, it looks like, below 900. Mm-hmm. He had a really good month. Did he fall off? Yes. What was going on in his game there? Uh, so January was excellent. He ended up goalie of the month for the AHL in January. And then something happened in February. We're not really sure what happened, but he started missing games. And no one really knows why, uh, mainly because the AHL doesn't keep like record of that necessarily. Like you don't have to disclose that information, and if you don't have to, they're not going to right. And so right. there, there's a, a belief that he was injured for a bit because he was out longer than it would take to recover from COVID type of thing. Um, so he was potentially injured and just never really bounced back. Never really looked the same. Thankfully, Corey Schneider stepped up and, and took that role as the starter and did well with it. But Jakob Skarik really kind of fell off in February and, and just never recovered. Yeah, so it, that's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of there's a lot of chatter as to this off season whether the Islanders should or should not, um, you know, get some relief from Semyon Varlamov's five million dollar cap hit. Saw a lot of comments of, well, they got Skarik, he was Player of the Month, yada yada. I didn't believe it then, and I even so more so don't believe it now that Skarik is ready to uh, take that next step at the NHL level. He he's clearly got some um, some things to work on. You know, a three point three goals against average is definitely nothing to write home about, um, especially at the AHL level. So, um, look, they maybe the Islanders do move on from Varlamov. I don't know how likely that is. Um, but Skarik would not be the answer as Sorokin's backup. God forbid Sorokin was hurt and, and they would miss him uh, for an extended amount of time. No, they would not. Skarik is fine, and maybe he becomes an NHL backup, but he's going to need next year to prove that. Um, even then, outside of that month in January, you got October, November, December, we're fine. And then, like the team in front of them isn't good defensively. Like the, the Bridgeport Islanders aren't a good transition team. They invite a lot of pressure on themselves and they can't get the puck out. That is a constant theme throughout the organization, it seems. And so he didn't deal well with the pressure. And many goalies couldn't. 
Um, so it, it's kind of not all on him necessarily, but he didn't do enough to stand out outside of January. So he, he's still going to need another year before we can maybe say he's an NHL caliber backup. Um, yeah. So th- there's no way you move uh, Simeon Varlova because you got Jakob Skar. It's not That is not a good plan. Um, and, and the last thing I wanted to ask you here, I had one more one more item on the dock. Uh, outside of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, the, the Islanders have more prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, or I said Sound Tigers again, look at me. Um, <laughs> the Bridgeport Islanders, sorry. Um, we Everybody knows about William DeFore, had a great year with uh, St. John's Sea mm-hmm. Dogs. But I want to talk about two prospects uh, who don't have entry-level contracts yet with the Islanders. And I believe one of them is due for one. Ruslan Ishikov, who... In my opinion, what I what I've heard and what I've seen from him has pretty decent potential. Uh, so number one, what's going on with him, and number two, Alex Jeffries. I want to know about how his season went and what his outlook is moving forward. Beauty, I I love that you came with that. Um, so my man Ruslan, yeah, good, good year, kind of. Um, it started with a lot of promise, right? He joins Adler Mannheim. They're really excited to bring him in. When I spoke to their GM, he's like, we don't get players like wrestling all the time. So, like, already you're going, oh, yeah, nice. But then he gets injured, and he's out for 12 weeks. Oh, it's tough. He misses a ton. of. He gets, uh, like, an ankle injury and then re-aggravates it, and he's out for a while. Um, again, 12 weeks. But when he gets back in, he's near a point-per-game player at the at the German level. I keep wanting to say Dutch because I'm, I'm saying it in German in my head. Uh, but... He, he is a near point per game player for them. But things didn't go very well for Adler near the end of the year. They were losing games they shouldn't. And so they made a coaching swap. And that coach didn't really seem to like um, Ruslan. Now, I'm not getting that from him. That's just my interpretation of it because his ice time fell and fell hard. Um, like he was losing like three minutes a game type of thing, playing on the fourth line. And then was a healthy scratch through the playoffs through most of it. Um, for for no good reason as far as i know there wasn't a like you're just not good enough type of thing because he is he he's a dynamic offensive player he's small uh like five eight i believe maybe five nine 170 pounds uh, so like not big but hella dynamic hella creative really good skater strong on the puck um maybe not as strong as he should be necessarily but he's still quite young um I don't know what the plan is for him. They got to have him signed by June 1st. So in a couple of weeks or they lose his NHL rights. Um, and, and this is second round pick from 2018. We're talking about, I can't imagine they'll just be like, yeah, we're good. Don't worry about it. It's okay. We're, we're good. Russell. They didn't even want to do that with Josh Hosang. Right. And they had problems with Josh Hosang. I'm not saying Josh Hosang was a problem, but like it wasn't all, you know, dandy right. lions and, and there was conflict. Yeah. Rainbows and lollipops everywhere between Joshua saying and the Islanders we're here. It's just like, maybe he didn't show you enough, but you give him something to give him a chance to show you something. Cause he still went to the pros a little bit earlier was excellent in Finland and was excellent in, in Germany when he did play. Uh, and when his coach seemed to enjoy him. So right. I, I would love to have him sign. I think because of his age, it's going to be a two year ELC for him, but you still do that. Why the hell not? Right. And then Alex yeah. Jeffries was the next one, right? Yes. So, um, sorry, I'll let you go because I did a lot of talking. You wanted to say something there before. I no, no, I was just going to say I, I feel like, you know, he, he hasn't played in North America in a little while, mm-hmm. right? He he was uh, overseas after leaving. He was, I believe, with the UConn yes. uh, in the NCAA. So, 
Um, it, it would be good to see him uh, with the Bridgeport Islanders and, you know, maybe get some chemistry with a, a possible future teammate in Aturatu or, or Simone Holmstrom. So, um, but yeah, now Alex Jeffries is, is another prospect that intrigues me. He, in it, from what I could tell, had a pretty good year from Merrimack College, 23 points in 33 games, 10 goals and 13 assists. And I believe he was like a top line player for them. Talk to me about Alex Jeffries and how soon he could be signed to an Islander contract minor or NHL. Um, and if we might see him with the Bridgeport Islanders at any time in the near future. I would imagine if they sign him, it's going to be next year. They're going to wait this year out. Um, it was slow, a slow start for Alex Jeffries. I don't, I don't have the stats open, but this is all off the top of my head here. When you, If you look at his... Uh, his um, you know what? Let me just bring it up. I'll bring it up instead of just talking out on my back end here. Um, when you look at his stats for Merrimack, I just type Mary in it. Immediately, my, my computer knows what I'm talking about here. You can look at his stats page, but you get game by game. And if you look at the first few games, like you, you go all the way till the beginning of November, even like if you go to like the uh, beginning of January, there's some production there, but not a whole lot. But near the end, he steps up and steps up huge from right. the beginning of I'm looking at February here. Sorry. Yeah. So sorry, January 25th onwards, he goes three games without a point out of like, I think there's like 14 games here. And a, there's a lot of multi-point games. There's a three-point night against UMaine on the 5th of February. Uh, Two-point night. Like, points just kept on coming for him. They they really like him. I know when I spoke to his coach last year, he said he was one of the smartest players in, in the league. Like, hyper-intelligent player. And, and in his freshman year, he was a true freshman. So freshman at college and freshman in the NCAA. Uh, he played top line. He Or, sorry, top six mostly. Uh, power play and penalty kill. That is not something that happens to freshmen at the NCAA level. Usually they're they're doing that figurative like holding the clipboard type of thing. Right. Um, this kid is all speed, uh, but he's smart. He knows when he's not doing something right and what he needs to do to fix it. Doesn't mean he's going to fix it immediately, but he's going to take those steps to fix it. Like when I spoke to him the last time, um, I asked him, what are some of the things that you're going to work on in the offseason? And one of the things he said was, I find myself when I get to the net, instead of stopping at the net, I go around. And so because of that, I'm not always open for a far, a far side kind of like tap in type of thing. I remove myself from a play. And so I got to stop doing that. You don't hear that from players. They might think that, but you don't hear them say it. And so to hear that from them and say like, these are the things I have to fix. It really shows you how in, like in tune with his own game he actually is for such a young player. Yeah, and that was the thing, right? You know, I had seen that production that you mentioned earlier uh, later in the year more often uh, than not. And I, it had, you know, I, in my mind, sparked the idea that maybe, you know, he, he was going through a, a bit of a rough patch, but really began to figure it out and become an impact player at the NCAA level. I believe Merrimack went pretty deep into the, the, the championship uh, rounds as well. If I'm not mistaken, they won their first round and, and then they lost after that and, and going for, the, I believe, the Hockey East. I'm, I'm still, NCAA is still new to me. It seems so random with all the different divisions and, and conferences. I believe they're in Hockey East. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, it's exciting to see that although the Islanders' prospect pool is often picked on, there are some decent prospects that could make impacts at some point 
in their careers. Yeah, like, and this is a fourth round pick we're talking about. Alex Alexander Ljungkrenz was taken in the third round of it before him in 2020, yeah. uh, which was a mistake in my opinion. Uh, Ljungkrenz is not even standing out at the second division of the Swedish pyramid, so that probably was a mistake. They, they, they should have taken him much, much later than they actually did, but you know, these things might end up working out. The same thing with Simon Holmstrom. They shouldn't have taken him in the th- first round, but they ended up doing it, and I'm not going to say it's going to work out, but things are trending in a better direction. Maybe that happens with Leonkrantz a little bit later. But at least when it comes to Alex Jeffries, I expect after this year they sign him to an ELC and he plays in Bridgeport after he goes pro. I don't I don't think he's going to stay there four years. I think that's all we got for Mitch's prospect corner. Um, Yeah, that's, that's about it. The full season's over, by the way. So they're getting, well, the Quebec season is over. He still has to play for the... Um, the Memorial Cup because St. John is hosting. And then Atarato is up for European Young Player of the Year for the EHC. So if you want to go there and vote for him, I think last I saw he was at 17%. Uh, So I don't think he's going to win it, but he's got a good chance of doing so. Yeah, it's like I think uh, Simone Edvidson is in the lead. Yeah, sixth overall pick last year by Detroit. Had a really good year at the SHL level. When you do the comparables in terms of NHLE, Edvidson is is a bit higher than than Atarato, but like barely. Edmondson's at 32.07 to Ratu's 31.55. So, Sounds good to me. Yeah. I know I know they're really excited for uh, Edmondson over in Detroit. So Yeah, he, he's going to be a good player. So, But you, you, when you look at that, that the, those top five guys up for that award, you got Ratu, you got Edmondson, and then you have Simon Nemich and uh, Yuri Slavkowski. That's his sixth overall pick. A guy that's probably going to go fifth overall uh, in Nemich and a guy who's going to probably go third overall, maybe even second overall in Slavkowski. Pretty good company. Yeah, definitely reason to be excited about Aturatu. So, yeah, that was it for, for the prospect update. And I think that's it for the show, too. Is there anything else you wanted to, to talk about before we say our goodbyes? I think that's it. Boom. So, don't forget, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. Get your extra, extra content. Three podcasts and a, a live discussion on Sundays per week for a whole $5. And then in the regular season, post-game content, baby. Um, also go to the website, of course, click on every single article multiple times a day that we would love you long time for it. Um, that's <laughs> eyes on aisles.com. We have a Twitter account at eyes on aisles FS. We have a Facebook as well. Just look for eyes on aisles. And I think those are the only places you can get us, but get us there. You can get myself at eyes on our, sorry, at TLO Mitch James, where can they get you at James Nichols NYI beauty. So, Thank you, James, for being on for another another episode. Uh, we're going to have another one next week. Yes, we are. All right. We'll catch everyone later. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.